these questions to my spotlight guest on this episode. His name is Adam Rosen. He's an entrepreneur who's built a business and sold it, exited, and he now finds a lot of interest in doing similar things to myself and hearing about other business owners' journeys. So join me as I chat to Adam and find out some of the things that he's tackled on this episode of Divided by Brand. Welcome to Divided by Brand, the podcast aimed at entrepreneurs, business owners and influencers. If you want to learn from industry experts and you want to listen to advice about how to feel more confident with your brand, then this is the show for you. Join me as I interview inspirational individuals at different stages in their business journey. My name is Dan O'Cock, I'm your host, and I'm a brand identity specialist with over 20 years experience. If you're interested to know if your own brand has all of the key ingredients to attract higher value clients, I've created a scorecard that'll help you do just that. It'll uncover if you're able to attract the right value clients, and if your brand matches your ambition. The scorecard can be found by clicking the links button in the player. Yeah, the player that you're listening on. Just click the links button and you'll get redirected straight to my scorecard. It's very quick. It's incredibly simple to use. But most of all, it should deliver you some value straight to your inbox with your own customized report, which will have marked you across six core areas of branding. And I know you'll agree. That is quite long enough for a podcast intro. Should we just start the show now? Welcome to the show, Adam. It's awesome to get you on. And... Um, I was just catching up with you there before I hit record, and last time we spoke, you were out in Hawaii, and I'm saying that with with, the, with a bit of a pause because I'm jealous. Obviously, I'm based in the UK, and when when we were chatting, we were in the depths of winter, and you were out there sunning yourself in Hawaii. But um, you know, welcome to the show, Adam. No, thanks for having me, Dan. I'm really excited to be here, and it's always uh, always great to chat with you. So I'm excited, even though. Last time we spoke, I had probably a better tan and a better view and better weather. And now I'm back in New York, at least for the next week or so. And man, I don't know how I grew up in the Northeast. And I know you're dealing with the cold too. So it's uh, it's a lot easier living when it's 82 degrees Fahrenheit and sunny every day. I know, I know. And so do you call New York home? Is that your base? I call it my, my hometown. It's where I grew up. But right now there's really nowhere that I call home. I'm bouncing around. I want to spend the whole 2022 bouncing around the world. So right now, I, I wouldn't say I have a home. I'd say New York feels like home. Hawaii now feels like home. Uh, at times, Boston can feel like home because I lived there for a while. But right now, I wouldn't call any place home because uh, I am just trying to explore the world as much as possible. I love it. Well, look, we're starting. Um, we're already getting into kind of personal stuff, and, and I do want to go into that. But what I ask all my guests is a really 
you know, friendly icebreaker opening question is, I love to hear three wins from the last two weeks. So three things that have happened and have made you smile or gone well, you know, tell us what you've been, what have you been doing? What could you class as a win, Adam? I'll say number one, coming back to New York, because the whole reason I came back to New York is my sister and I, we bought my mother uh, seats to see a, a comedian, her favorite comedian. I'll give him a shout out because he's awesome. Sebastian Maniscalco. He was performing in uh, New York City for a few days and we were supposed to go back in December because of COVID, it got pushed back to, uh, we're recording this now in the uh, in the end of March. So coming back to New York, taking my mother to that show, that was, that was one good personal win. Uh, so that's one. Number two, I would say a big win is, uh, I, I, I don't ever like to count a win before you get it, but for my email company, which is my main company right now, uh, we're at the, I'd say one yard line for anyone who's a football fan uh, or an American football fan, I should say, for mm. what would be our, our biggest client, frankly, that we've ever had in any business that I've had. So that, 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 Again, I don't like to kind of win before it's actually through the finish line, but the way okay. I look at it is regardless, even if something were to happen, the learnings that we've had to get there would be another huge win. So that's number two. And then number three, I would say, uh, that's a good one. Let me say, I wanna get something switched up. I had one career win, one personal win. Um, you know what? We can go with two. I mean, that second one sounds pretty awesome. You know, it's not over the line, but if you've got a third one, I'll give you it as a bonus. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with kind of a, a a fun win. I got to go to Boston this past week, and I used to live there for about six or seven years. That's where I built my original tech startup. And when I was living in Boston, I had uh, one of my roommates. She had a puppy, and her uh, her puppy now is older now, seven years old, and she just had surgery. So I got to see her, and she's doing well. The puppy's doing well. The dog is doing well, um, and then my roommate is doing well too. So it was good to go back to Boston, see some friends, and to see uh, what I like to call is my my niece Zoe, the pup. So that was always good. What a great set of wins and a, and a good mix of wins. Got a good balance there. So I'm getting good vibes from those wins. Thanks for sharing those with us. Um, and I liked your term bouncing around in 2022. What a what a great way to actually think about what's going to happen in the next, how long have we got, like nine months or something of this year. And um, is that a conscious decision before we kind of go into, you know, um, where you are now and, you know, the, the business side of things. Did you decide this last year? I'm going to bounce around. Yeah, I was living in, in upstate New York most recently. This was last year in 2021. And as my business partner and I started to build this email outreach company that we have, it's something that we could do from all over the world. So uh, come November, he was already out in Europe. He's He's been traveling for a few months prior to that. And he had spent quite a bit of time in Italy and just throughout Europe and, and really during the pandemic year. So he went back out there. And so I said, let me just sell my place, get out of my apartment. And I bought a one-way ticket to see him in Florence. Uh, we spent a month there, then we went out to Switzerland. And the focus for us has been really since then, let's travel at least for 2020, the remainder of 2021 and 2022, let's bounce around the world. Let's explore it as much as possible. And uh, let's see where life takes us. So yeah, it's been a conscious decision and, and it is every day. I love it. I'm, I'm obviously jealous, as you can probably tell. I'm a bit of a family guy and at a different stage in business by the sounds of it, but it sounds exciting. Um, I'd like to 
explore and, and outline or build up a little picture for listeners um, to find out or to give them an insight where you are at the moment um, with things. Now, obviously, I'm going to share a link to your uh, social profile so they can connect with you, but give us an insight of you. I mean, you class yourself as a founder of a tech startup, so I'd love to hear um, a little bit about the business that you have now. But before that, could you just, I guess, tell us a picture, describe your journey up to this point? I never held a, a true nine to five job. So coming out of college, I, I, I went to university just outside of Boston, a teeny tiny school. My senior year, I did a, uh, I started to run an entrepreneur program to support students at the college. That led into them offering me a position to get a one-year MBA at the school. Three weeks before I graduated, uh, I met my two original co-founders uh, during that MBA year and while me running that entrepreneur center started a company coming out of college. The first year was basically an R&D project, which led into what was our tech company, which we ran for uh, five years total. And basically the premise of the company was, hey, let's get a bunch of college student organizations at colleges. So everything from engineering clubs, business clubs, even fraternities or sororities, which is a very big thing here in the United States and get them on one platform. Because if we could do that, employers wanna get, get in touch with them for jobs, as well as to get data. So we built this tech startup that had about 100,000 student organizations on it. We sold to companies like Bank of America, Amazon, AT&T. They were our clients and uh, they used it to get uh, get data on the students through our surveying mechanism on the platform, as well as to offer them jobs and internships. So we did that for about five years. Then back in 2019, we were acquired by a college marketing firm. And when I say acquired, people tend to assume that that means I was retired at 26, 27, 28 years old, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. you know, on a beach in Hawaii with a Mai Tai. And while I did go to Hawaii in 2019 to live after I was selling it, it was not to retire. It was it was not a, you know, massive successful exit. It was more of an exit around, hey, let's make sure that this company can live on. The students can find a good home. The companies, our customers can find a good home and uh, the company can live on past us. So I always like to make that clear because one of my biggest beefs with the startup world and the world of entrepreneurship is it's so over glamorized where we only want to share the good and we never want to share the real stuff. We never want to share, uh, you know, the shit, frankly, that that isn't often talked about. And I like to share my reality because, frankly, that's the reality that a lot of startups go through. And uh, it was a journey that led me to a million different learnings and was the catalyst to me starting this email company that is now allowing me to travel the world. So I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful for it. I love it. And I think that the learning part is where I want to explore most with you on this particular episode, because you are right with the the brand image, I guess I'd call it, of being an entrepreneur and then hearing that phrase of being a founder of a tech startup and having it acquired. You know, it's just like that secret thing of, well, my business was acquired. Yeah, look at me. <laughs> I'm, I've got a Lambo. And... <laughs> I, this was half of the reason that I wanted to get you on because you know, when we talked and you were very clear about the fact that you'd you'd set out that business but you'd learned a lot along the way and for you that was that learning process that I was keen to explore the other part of, of why I wanted you on the show was um, the, the, um, the the kind of passion that you have is very much about helping startups now. 
and it's a kind of sales orientated passion that you have. Is that a, is that a fair summary? Absolutely. So I've always loved working with other startups. I've always loved working with entrepreneurs, but when we sold the company, it allowed me to explore that interest further. So I started advising tech startups right, pretty much right after we were acquired. And uh, about two years ago, I got in touch with a company called Eureka, an amazing company uh, based out of the US. It was started by early Facebook team members. Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank is heavily involved with it. And their whole point is how do we support entrepreneurs and small business owners? So I got connected to them about two years ago and I've been teaching virtually uh, to the small business owners, which are probably on the low end in their low 30s, on the higher end in their 60s or maybe even older and teaching them different facets of, of running their business from strategy to customer acquisition to key finance areas that they should be learning, like how to raise money, um, you know, basic terms like cost of customer acquisition, return on investment, stuff like that. And, and my real focus is how do we help startups? How do we help small business owners? How do we help entrepreneurs drive more sales? That was my main focus when I was running my tech startup. That's what I love. Uh, I always say that a business, unless you're making money, it ain't a business, it's a hobby. And making money for our business is a must. And how do we find ways to generate sales, grow our sales and do it in a smart way that's also enjoyable because sales can be a drag. It can feel like a slog. It can feel like it just weighing down on us. So how do we not only get the results we desire, but how do we make it enjoyable? I love it. And it's that I'd like to actually segue from that sales can be a drag into a question that I had around sales and brand and that relationship because they're intertwined. But let me ask you this question. How important is brand to sales? It's not necessary, but if you have a great brand, it makes your job as a seller, it makes the job of the seller, if it's not you, a heck of a lot easier. So I would absolutely much rather, whether it's my own company or if I'm helping another company to sell, having a great brand will make the salesperson job a heck of a lot easier. So is it necessary? No, I mean, I've gotten clients before, whether it was with my tech startup, without really having a brand, without having a true web presence, without even having a real product. It was just a, a, a demo that we were selling a, a, of a potential product. And even with my current business, our first customers came with, if you saw our website, you would laugh at it. It was it was so bad, yeah. it, was, it was a nothing. So- But I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that in that situation, um, was the product so good? Was the problem that it solved so clear or, you know, was there another reason that it, it could hit that the success of it was able to hinge off rather than the brand? Yes, that identifying here's a problem and here's our solution, but also being trustworthy and them saying, hey, I trust that you, this human being, you know, Adam Rosen and, you know, whoever else they were speaking to on my side are people that we trust and that we think will execute on what you're saying. Because if you don't build trust in sales, if you don't build trust in branding, you don't stand a chance. So. Is branding a must uh, in order to get sales? No. However, every single salesperson will tell you, every single entrepreneur will tell you, if you have a great brand behind you, man, it makes your life a heck of a lot easier and a heck of a lot more fun. Do you think, you know, when you look back, um, and I do have this conversation with, with you know, quite a few clients, is that, is this like this point, this stage where the brand like comes under scrutiny? I don't know if there's a magic 
figure or a magic point in terms of sales uh, numbers where you think, hang on, you know, we should be doing better than this. Is there any, is there, is there something that when you look back, you think, do you know what? I think that probably was the time where we should have started to look at brand a bit close, bit, you know, a bit more closely. Yeah, it's a great question. It's something that with the tech startup, we probably neglected more than we should have, where we didn't van- uh, invest, I should say, into our branding as much or as early as we probably should have. And our best branding person we had, frankly, and, and she is and she was incredibly talented, but at the time she was an intern and she put together a whole you know, impressive brand kit that our tech team then implemented and that we did our best to implement on, on, on the business side of the house. But it was a, a an intern that was helping pave the way for it. And so we never had a full time you know, chief brand officer or someone that was leading our branding efforts. And it's something that, uh, you know, in hindsight, maybe we should have done earlier on. Yeah. And it's, it's often overlooked, but you can understand why it's overlooked. I think as a founder, um, or, you know, as a business owner, however, however you want to jazz it up, I guess (laughs) you've got your head involved in so many different things. Um, you know, Somebody saying, well, have you sorted your brand? You're like, yeah, well, I've mm-hmm. got my logo, you know. We've got the website, we're all right. We'll, we'll, we'll crack on for now. Do you think that's, do you think it's a mistake to have that attitude? Well, when I, I think the reason to go back to your, your earlier point, I think the reason why branding sometimes gets neglected is as founders, as business leaders, sometimes what we start thinking about is tunnel vision of, hey, this feels like a cost center, not a profit center. And what I mean by that is like sales is very, it's very easy to justify. Hey, I'm willing to invest X because I will get an X plus Y return on this. Mm. Branding is not always that same feeling because it it doesn't always bring such tangible results. Because you can point to uh, some of the results you get, some of the success you get, and you could say, well, was that really the branding that did that? Or was that something else that did that for us? Was that that great salesperson that we have? Or was it that great system that we created to uh, that great funnel or whatever that might be? So I think sometimes branding gets a little bit neglected because as a founder or business leader, you say, well, where's the ROI on it? And the reason why I think branding is so important is because even in sales, when people buy something, people buy off of emotion. I don't care how analytical we are. We buy off of a feeling, we buy off an emotion. We buy either off of the fear of missing out on something or the pleasure of the potential gain of purchasing that product or service. And at the end of the day, if sales is a feeling, well, Part of that is the brand because brand is all about a feeling. When you go to Apple's website, when you go to Apple's store, you get a certain feeling. When you go to a McDonald's, you get a certain feeling. Why do you get that feeling? Because of that brand that that company has built um, in some cases for decades and decades and decades. So I, I do think branding should be more top of mind after you start to get these hints of product market fit. Like with my current email business, we had the worst website of all time that was just something that was out there and that was clear for what we do for the first six, seven months. As we proved that product market fit and said, hey, let's start taking this thing to another level. Then we invested in a little bit in the brand and, and rebuilding, redesigning, refeeling our website out. But it wasn't until we had the hints of product market fit that we decided to invest in it. 
Absolutely. And the business that you're a co-founder of at the, the moment, Adam, is the email outreach company. So what stage is that business at at the moment then? Right now we're in, I would say the growth stage. We've, uh, our first customer actually was one of the companies that I was advising, which I started to advise back in 2019 into tech startup. And uh, basically it was just about a year ago now. I was having a conversation with their founder and he said, Hey, can you talk to my head of sales? She's struggling to get meetings on the books. Uh, I talked to her. I found out what the problem was. I went back to their CEO. I said, Hey Pete, if you want, I can help you out with this. He said, yeah, put something together for me. I called him my business partner and uh, we put something together for him. We executed for him. Uh, then we started to do it for another customer, another customer, another customer and our retention rate, which is the opposite of during my tech, co tech company. My tech company, right. our biggest problem was our retention issue. If we had great retention. Mm -hmm. I might've been retired on a beach in Hawaii, but, but our retention wasn't good. We didn't have true product market fit. Uh, we said this company had to drag us and the retention has not only been hundred percent, but people giving us more money. So now that we're at that phase, that's when we are saying, okay, how can we improve our processes? How can we make more hires? How can we improve our branding? Um, so I would say we're in the growth, uh, the growth phase of this business. I love it. It's an exciting phase, definitely. Um, question around that business then. So the world's pretty crazy right now. Um, and certainly for the last 24 months, um, we've all been dealing with a global pandemic. If we, well, basically, how how's the last 12 months changed what you do? So not necessarily the last 24, but the last 12 months how has it changed what we do from an email standpoint? Yeah. Frankly, not at all. I, I, I think that email has, has always worked and I, I believe it always will work. And I think even over the past few years, it's probably gotten a little, uh, a little stronger just because I think from a work standpoint, we don't like using our cell phones as much and we don't like to get text, text messages and to communicate via text throughout, um, throughout our work days with people that aren't our, our friends that are more friendly relationships. That's how we like to use text email. We like to use more for uh, more business relationships. So frankly, for us, it's been kind of business as usual. And the good thing is, is that people are so accustomed now to using zoom that that's no longer a barrier. Um, everyone is checking their emails. So if you're, if you're smart and you know how to frame an email, you know how to follow up and you know how to reach out to the right folks. Um, you're going to be successful, whether it was in the past 12 months, 24 months, or frankly, I was doing the same thing during our tech startup days, uh, five, six years ago. So for us, it's kind of been business as usual. We're able to work from wherever in the world. And, uh, yeah, it frankly, it hasn't really affected us too much. Yeah. And I think that's where I was going with the question was just to really see if the, a lot of the success was not like perfect storm, but the, the fact that all of this had happened and then people and businesses were finding themselves in these situations where, you know, they weren't in face-to-face -face network meetings or they were, you know, entirely reliant on digital and email comms. So I guess you found yourself ready to rock <laughs> with everything online, you know, as opposed to myself where I did a lot of brand workshops face-to-face, all I had to do was really just find the right platform to digitize. So I used Miro and the workshop became interactive and now it's like it never was face to face, but it was the opposite for you. So I think that, you know, looking 
at what's happened over the last 24 months? Do you think you've picked that perfect product and perfect time? Yeah, it's a it's a great point. And it's true for, for folks like you that were used to being in person. And, and that is what I was used to, too. That was the old days for me was always going into the office. And when I would do speaking engagements, it would be in-person speaking engagements. But I think it's a blessing that all generations, not just Gen Zers or millennials, all gen, all generations are comfortable now behind a Zoom communicating through teleconferencing and, and that's just more of the norm and maybe not going to the office or going to the office part-time. So I think all that is a benefit. I'd say the biggest asset in terms of us preparing for this is just my business partner and I, we've developed such a strong relationship after going through, you know, all the shit that we went through over the long stretch of running our tech startup. So that trust that we have allows it where right now I'm in New York and he's in Italy. We're gonna we're gonna get together in person over the next few months, and and we'll probably spend much of the year together traveling around the world together. But we spent a lot of time over the past at least three or four months away from each other. So you have to have a great relationship with your business partner yeah. if you do that. Because, man, I I mean I've been through horror stories with with you know with partners, and I've heard much worse horror stories. Frankly, my horror stories are not even real horror stories. I've had you know challenges with business partners like anyone has, um, but I've heard real horror stories with other people with their business partners and i'm very 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 thankful that uh my business partner and i we have a tremendous relationship and a tremendous trust where i can be in new york he can be in italy and we can keep bouncing around and we know that neither one of us will skip a beat it's an uh, it's an interesting point to bring up that adam because there are businesses out there that that i work with like yourself that that work entirely satellite you know, from different locations, different time zones all around the globe. And they make it work. And I've worked within some of those teams as that kind of brand consultant, brand, you know, creative director role sometimes. But something that I haven't come across yet is the replication or the kind of, uh, not replication, that's probably not the word I'm looking for, the ability to have a a real team spirit that existed when I worked in an agency years and years ago. And it's still, I've, I've not come across it or found somebody who's been able to demonstrate to me that that, that friendship that's there, the kind of chance to have, you know, just like casual chats that clear the air or, um, come up with ideas and I don't know if that's just the creative industry I think where I'm going with this as a question is how how do you tackle that with your team um, and how have you found it you know and saying that you work with your business owner at different ends of the world you know how, how do you get around that problem it's an incredible question. It really is. It's uh, and frankly, I'm I'm not sure there is a true solution. I think with everything in life, no. there's a give and take, and you know, part of the challenges of going to the office every day was, hey, maybe there's long commute times, maybe there's wasted time because you're 
you know, you're goofing around at the water cooler or, you know, you're you're taking an extra long lunch break or you have to leave to take your kid to their, you know, his baseball game or something like there's there's negatives to that. But part of the positives of being in person is it's a heck of a lot easier to build real company culture and real relationships and friendships and a connection where, you, hey, I don't want to really want to leave this company because I love going to the office and seeing some people. I've, wow, I've developed some of my best friendships here. Maybe I have a romantic partner here now where, you know what? I really love like the, whether it's the ping pong tables or the beer or just the atmosphere of walking in the office every day. So there's there's the cons, of course, of going to the office, but then there's the pros. And maybe you're, you know, you're more uh, productive because you're around other people that are being productive. Um, there's the pros of that. Now, the cons of working all satellite is how do you develop real relationships? when you're conversating on, you know, snack, Slack, I'm sorry, or, or email or text message or for a Zoom meeting here and there, it's, you're not gonna develop the same relationships. You're not gonna have that same authentic, genuine connection as you would if you were with someone in person. And that is just the reality of it. Um, but now the pro of it is you're not wasting as much time sitting in traffic yeah. two, three hours every day. Maybe you're not wasting as much time at the water cooler anymore. It's when you're working, you're working and you want to get yourself done. So you could hang with your kids more, or your dog or go play softball or whatever yeah. it is that you want to do. And I think that's probably what it has become for those, for that business model and those businesses is that work is work, you know, life is life. Mm -hmm. And in a way, your co-workers, there's nearly a line that they'll never ever cross into your world. But I I think I still long for, and it's only because I was having a chat with a good um, a good friend, an ex-work colleague the other day, and, and I hadn't seen him for a long time. You know, we sat down and we, we, we had our lunch together and we just chatted. Chatted shit is probably the best way to describe mm -hmm. it. I was like, we, we actually had some good ideas and um, we bounced. I was like, this is what I missed. And I thought to myself, well, is there something there? And I think in my own mind was wondering, it, this is a complete generalization, but is this what the metaverse is going to be <laughs> about? Is this where we're heading, Adam? Yeah. I, I mean, the truth is, is there is a new generation and the generation every generation gets more comfortable with technology and it's not just technology it's technology with us every step of the way it's the internet is on our phones every step of the day every step of the way that we go and the metaverse is coming uh, i don't think any of us really know what it is um, or very few of us really know what it is or what it's going to be uh, but it's coming and it's it's not going anywhere and that world is a real world like it there are kids and there are people that are living in their own you know some version of the metaverse currently so it's, it's not going anywhere and for me, I, I part of why I love traveling is I yearn for authentic connections. And now a lot of my work relationships, I mean, my business partner is different. He's become like a brother to me and all that stuff. So we, we could talk about anything work related, not work related. We can go on and on and, and that's never ending. But that's only been developed because of all the long hours that we put in in person. Um, but frankly, the rest of my employees, they're from all around the world and they're amazing. They do a great job with their work and they're, they're great, but it's 100% work. It's there's, you know, there's, it's not, it's, Hey, how are you doing? It's, I hope, you know, your family's doing well, all that stuff, but it's, it's 
let's say 99.9% work related, where it used to be, I would have employees that would come into the office and they would be telling me about um, different personal things in their life, or they would open up or, you know, get emotional or whatever that was. And that, that was the case. Uh, but now it's, it's very different. My, the employees that I have, it's all transactional, it's all work. And that's why I, I yearn for the traveling that I do because I get to meet amazing people and develop amazing relationships with just random folks from all around the world, from all walks of life. Cause I do think as human beings, we do have that need. We have that need for connection, for love, for, for face-to-face communication and face-to-face contact. I love it. And the metaverse is already branded. So, you know, <laughs> it exists. Exactly. Whether you've whether you've got an opinion about it or not. Exactly. It's there. And it ain't um, going anywhere. It, no, it's interesting. Let's park the metaverse for now because that's just opening a whole different um, topic. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't know. We've kind of ended up on it and um, it was worth having a chat around. I feel like we were... Uh, you know, we needed to have a little a little brush along the side of it anyway. <laughs> yep. um, I'm quite keen to just have a little chat about the your, your speaker side of things and the coaching side of things. And I'm keen to explore how, what I would probably deem or term your personal brand um, is affecting that side of the business for you. I guess tell or explain to the listeners what I class yourself as like a key person of influence, but as a speaker and as a coach, you know, how how involved you are with that. Is it a side hustle? Is it something you do, you know, regularly? A little bit of detail around that would be great. Yeah, so it's it's all a side hustle right now. So this the main mainly the speaking that I do, uh, because of my tech company being in the college space, we did a, we had a lot of data on Gen Z and the future of work. So uh, probably about once a quarter or so, my business partner and I will do talks around Gen Z and the future of work. And those used to be in person conferences. Now they tend to be uh, virtual conferences, or companies will bring us in for different events that they have. Um, so I do that, but that's very much on the side. I spend very little time on it unless we get reached out to about it. So very minimal time there. Okay. Uh, on the coaching side of the house, um, I do that just about every week. It's all done virtually, all set up through that company. The startup that, so, I, yep. Uh, sorry to interrupt. I was just about to say that, do you do you find that you all, you have more passion for the, the business, so our business, um side of things rather than your own stuff like the coaching and that which where do you find yourself your passion leading you at the moment i love coaching i love working with entrepreneurs i love helping others build their business but right now i love building my excuse me i love building my own my own business so that's my main focus the coaching is energizing because i do it on the side i think if i spent 60 hours a week coaching it would would uh, do the it would have the opposite effect i don't think it would energize me mm. because i spend mm. maybe five to 10 hours a week of coaching and advising. And it's probably a little bit more than that uh, because my my sister, she recently left uh, uh, Spotify and she has her own business, which she's done an amazing job of in her first year. And I probably spend, you know, two hours a day just with her of conversations around her business. So I probably do more coaching than I, than I probably give myself credit for. Um, but 
because I don't do it as a full-time job, it's energizing to me, but I, I want to build my own business. And the reason why is because the more I can build myself, the more I can fail myself, the more I can pick myself up and learn and grow and build, then the more I can coach others. So I love coaching. I love working with entrepreneurs. I believe entrepreneurs are the heartbeat uh, of this world. I always say heartbeat of America when I'm telling everybody, uh, you know, when, I, when I'm speaking to my entrepreneurs, I think it's so, so critical. I love entrepreneurs. I don't think they get enough credit. Um, so I love doing that, but I feel like I need to continue to build myself and build my own businesses in order for me to give more value to the folks that I work with. I love it. And here's a question on that very topic. On your LinkedIn profile, it says that you embrace your mistakes. Which mistake have you embraced the most in the last 12 months? It's a great question. It's a, a great question. Have you made any mistakes in the last 12 months? I don't know. Let's find out. Yeah, I, it's, you know, I'm, I'm very humble and I would say I'm, I'm pretty perfect. So I can't say, you know, I, I've ever made a mistake. <laughs> um, now, the biggest mistake I say in the last 12 months. Because if you were to say was my biggest mistake just business-wise over the past you know five or six years, other than just being a pup and not knowing what I don't know, um, it was uh, the inability to get to product market fit as a startup. And if you don't get to product market fit, uh, no matter what you do, it's going to be uh, almost impossible to to build a true sustainable company. So that's the answer I would have given. But if you're saying mm. the last twelve months, so March of 2021 biggest mistake I made um I mean I'll let you ponder it but I, de I think I could tell when you were giving the introduction in the background that to your company that that is something that certainly shaped your well how you were able to coach and and give this advice to to, to business startups is it is it's all about learning from mistakes that you've made when you talk about that product fit, um, to be able to look back is something, well, hindsight's a wonderful thing, <laughs> right? Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, it might be unfair to sort of say, well, what mistakes have you made in the last 12 months? Because perhaps there's been nothing particularly poignant, but I thought I'd open it up. And I, I'm quite happy for you to, to go that far back. And I think if you, if we bring that to a topic, um, you could even say, you know, to other business owners, what mistakes have you made that you would say, don't make the same mistake? So is that is that the only one? Is there any others you want to throw in the mix? If I kind of widen it up for you, widen it out a little bit? Yeah, I think another big mistake, again, that I made and that I encourage every entrepreneur to work for. Because when I started my company, again, I was a pup. You know, I was 22, 23 years old starting this company. And, you know, I, I again, I always say, I hope next year I'm thinking I was a pup today. And in 10 years, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, I look like a pup today than, than what I'm going to become. So I, I, I always preface it with that. But when we started the company, it was, hey, I want this to be billionaire or bust. It's IPO or bust. Like we're taking this thing to the top. And the, the, the thought was never in the early days, how do we build this company to sell it? And how do we build this to get, um, even if it's not a grand slam, how do we get a solid single or double? 
versus let's just try to get a grand slam out front because you know building a tech startup building a two-sided marketplace it's incredibly difficult it's uh especially when you're a first-time founder and especially when you don't have a true tech background um so the other big mistake i see a lot of entrepreneurs make is they don't build their company to sell it and whenever i talk to an entrepreneur and i say you know what are you thinking about for a potential exit and when they say they're not ever thinking about that that's when i say okay you're a pup like i was a pup because we should always be thinking about how do we make our business sellable and here's the reason why if we make our business sellable that means that either one we'll have the opportunity to actually sell the company which is great but option number two is that means that we have the systems in place to allow this company to grow to scale and to become something much bigger without it just needing our manual effort day in and day out. Because if your business is sellable, that means that it can live without you. And if it can live without you, that's because you've created incredible systems to allow that business to grow and to scale. So that's the other big mistake that I made that I see far too many entrepreneurs make is they don't build their company to sell from the start. And that's a lot of the advice I got from trusted entrepreneurs and mentor friends of mine um, during my tech startup that I didn't follow until it was too late. So I would say that was another big mistake I made. And that's not a mistake I see so many entrepreneurs make. So does that, when you look back, tend to be things like the right processes and systems in place? Absolutely. That's yeah. I mean, with my email company now, again, because we're virtual, that's what my business partner always focused on. You know, we call it camp wherever we are. So we were just in Switzerland. It was Camp Swiss. We spent, uh, it was two weeks where we were bunkered down into this place in the middle of nowhere, Switzerland. And we just focused on systems, systems, systems. Um, and because those systems were able to flourish a hell of a lot better now. And when we do our next, you know, quote unquote camp, it's going to be all around improving our current systems and building out new systems. So I was not a system guy. We were not systems people with our tech startup. And that's the focus for us now is how do we build systems? Because because frankly, that takes work off our plate that makes things, that removes a lot of variables, but it also makes this your company sellable if and when you choose to go that route. I love it. I think that's great advice. I think the other thing I was going to bring up was that you also, you're a podcaster, right? Yep. Yeah. So I have a podcast with a, with a friend of mine. He uh, He's a, a, a an artist that's doing an incredible job. His, his Spotify has got over a half a billion streams. So he's doing a great job. His name is Grizzly Adams. So we started a podcast together uh, about a year ago now where we talk a lot about entrepreneurship, the music industry, and uh, the journey that we've been on. And, and we interview other folks that are, are on a similar journey as well. And how, I mean, podcasting has been quite a big part of my life, not just for me producing this podcast, but I've been involved in the industry with, with various figures who've gone on to be really successful. How how do you get on with podcasting? How do you find it as a, a platform, if you if you like to label it as that? I think with anything, it take, and you know, it's it's a challenge. It's it takes consistency. It takes knowing what you're doing, um, and it takes a lot of uh, trial and error. So for for me, the way I look at the podcast is number one, it's enjoyable. I, I enjoy spending time with with my with my co-host. Uh, these are conversations that we would just normally have that we're able to do behind a mic. So it's enjoyable. But for me, most importantly, it's a great learner. So I, I love learning pieces of all these different things, even if I never make a dollar from the podcast that we have. 
that's not most important to me. For me, it's the learning that I can implement yeah. into other things that I do or future podcasts that I do, or maybe this podcast goes off and and it turns into something special. And, and that's obviously uh, icing on the cake. But for me, it's much less of the result of the podcast and much more about the learning and hopefully giving value and seeing if people enjoy what we have to say. And if they don't, that's okay. You take the learning on to the next thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think with podcasting, if you don't love what the topic is and you don't love what you're doing, it will come across straight away. I mean, no one can actually see us talking, but they can still sense it you know, in our voices. And I think that with podcasting, there's, there's quite a lot of, of work involved. And um, what I didn't want with my podcast, and it sounds similar to yours, is that it, for it to become a tool mm. um, as such. And I think a lot of brands out there are using or leveraging a podcast as, as a specific tool and you can pick them out a mile off hundred percent they're wooden is probably the best way to describe them um and 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 they i, I don't know the, how do you feel about those kind of specific podcasts I don't have to name names, but you know, you know the ones I mean, right? Oh yeah. Well, the way, the way I look at, and I'm no expert, and you're you're much more a brand guy. You, you know that stuff a heck of a lot better than I do. But the way at least I view podcasts, what I've heard, and from talking to people that listen to podcasts, it's really either one of two things. It, one, it's you want to learn something. So it's some something that's more transactional. So you want to learn about branding or you want to learn about sales or you want to learn about, you know, aliens. You want to learn about something. That's one. Or two, it's you want to be a fly on the wall to a conversation that you normally wouldn't have exposure to. So if you fall into one of those areas, if there's a niche around people wanting to listen to you to learn about some type of topic, whatever that might be, or two, you're an interesting person or people that folks want to listen to, but you're not talking to the audience. You're more of just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation or you know, with a group of people, you're having a conversation that normally would happen behind closed doors that no one have access to, but because of the microphone and because of the podcast, now all these people have instant insider access to a conversation again that they normally wouldn't have access to. It's good. I love podcasts. You're too good, Adam. You, you, your answers, I know you've described yourself as a Pope a few times, but I'll give you a compliment by saying that um, you certainly don't come across as a an inexperienced pup it's like it's a good conversation Robin. i'm really i'm really enjoying it um listening to the answers you, you, you you're you're on it i can sense the age difference between us both is probably coming through at the speed at which you're talking but i don't know if that's a new york thing yeah, yeah i'm a new yorker <laughs> yeah that's it yeah exactly it's funny uh, i uh when i go to hawaii i definitely try to slow myself down uh but I'm just a New Yorker at heart. I am a fast talker and it's interesting when I'm overseas and uh, and I'm speaking with folks and maybe English isn't their first language, I force myself to try to go as slow as possible because I, I am yeah. the type of guy that's always just a mile a minute. And my business partner, I think we're such a good fit because he's very, he's much slower and much more Zen and I'm much more more like a bull and just trying to run. <laughs> Can we mention the business partner? He's been mentioned like this secret weapon. And are you? do you want to 
tell everyone, share his name and, you know, or is he top secret? I don't know. <laughs> he's top secret. No, <laughs> no, no, he's, he's not top secret. His name is Pranam. So Pranam Lipinski, he's, uh, yeah, he, he's been such an asset. He's a little bit older than me. Uh, he was, he won alumni of the year at my college or college that we went to. Um, so that's how we got connected through the entrepreneur program. But yeah, he's been, uh, he's been a great business business partner, but like I said, he's, he's like family now. So I'm very fortunate to, uh, to have him in my life. And he definitely compliments me in all the areas I need to be complimented. That's the perfect match. You need that, that compliment, um, in my experience with that, with that business partner. And generally with people that I've worked with on that, not quite a business partner per se, but people who I've partnered up well with, um, it tends to be one tech and one creative. Mm. Um, and the, the, the mindset of each, uh, like one keeps one in line and the other one suggests other ways of doing stuff. And it just, the right partnership in with those kind of brain, uh, you know, ways of thinking, it, it always seems to work out well. So is that how you, I mean, have you got, are you the creative thinker? Is he the tech thinker? Have you got that kind of match? It's interesting. We're, we're both sales minded. Like he, he's, uh, he's actually in Italy right now. He was just in Ireland and he spent a lot of time. Uh, he's writing a sales manual over sales books. He's read about 50, 55 sales books over the past, probably 12 to 18 months. And now he's putting together a very simple manual. So he loves sales, but he also loves the spiritual side of things too. And, uh, so we're both sales minded, but the difference is how we come across in it. And I'm, I'm much more like front lines, having conversations like these. And again, like I said, more of a fast talker, more of a bull where he's much more thoughtful, um, more well-read, more, you know, spiritual, that type of stuff. And that's where the compliment comes in, but we're much, we're both very business minded and we're both very sales minded. We love sales. We love marketing. We love business, but how we approach it is very different. So our core values are in alignment, but how we execute upon those core values, uh, can be different. And that's, I think why the, the mix works so well. It's good. And I'm, you know, you're lucky because you know, there's people out there and you've had, you've had bad experiences. You don't have to go into those, but when you recognize a good partnership, you, you nurture it. And like you've said that word already family, you do nurture it like family because you often see those people more mm. than your family. Um, and so you get close to them, you learn them and it's, it's a lifelong, we would hope it would be a lifelong journey together, um, you know, through, through ups and downs, which, right. you know, it sounds, sounds like you guys are on. So, um, we probably should have got him on the call, but maybe we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that sounds good. Yeah, definitely. And it, you're based in, you're based in the UK, right? Yeah, I'm over in the UK. We'll be in, a, our plan is to spend the summer in uh, in the French Riviera. So we'll be in, in France primarily, the south of France, and we'll probably spend some time in Italy. But we'll, we'll be uh, we'll be around your neck of the woods, so maybe we could do it uh, do it in person. You can come over to the, to the spot. We'll do an in-person podcast. Yeah, I like the sound of that. I like it. Well, you've talked your way through an episode really quick. I'm looking at my time counter. Um, we're not quite done, but we are coming up. Um, to that kind of natural hour mark that I always find is a um, a good amount of time to cover the topics. But a couple of questions that I want to ask that I haven't asked yet is um, if if you met yourself ten years ago, so take yourself ten years back, what would you say to yourself? 
learn time travel. If I was able to travel back, so I'm 30. So if I was talking to 20 year old me, I would say mm -hmm. you can't fake confidence and confidence tends to be a byproduct of success. So the more successful you get, the more confident you get, of course, just like with anything, sports, school, business, anything. Uh, so how do you get more confident? And then it's around how do you build a skill that will always be in desire, or that will always be desirable. And I was not a sales guy, I didn't understand sales, although I might've had natural gifts towards it. I was not a sales minded person per se. Um, so it would be learn sales as fast as possible uh, because sales, if you want to start a business and you want to be an entrepreneur is going to be so, so, so critical. So probably it would be mm -hmm. learn, learn how to sell. Okay. Learn how to sell and practice being confident. Is that a good summary? Learn how to sell <laughs> and get good at it because then your confidence will be then a byproduct of it. Yeah. You can't fake oh, confidence. Yeah. So I don't think you can just practice being confident i think you have to practice getting better in key areas because then confidence will be a byproduct of it the better shape you get in uh you know the better the more successful you are all those things are going to make you more confident but you can't fake confidence i like how you've mentioned confidence actually and um i'm just going to quickly pick up on that one because confidence is something that you're right you can't fake and as a business owner when you're not confident in your business that it like leaks out of you <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah it's funny i mean everything's energy i think we as human beings we can read energy better than we realize and i think oftentimes when you're talking to people you see someone post a video they share something and, and you could feel like how they're trending. Are they trending in the right direction? Are they trending in the wrong direction? Are they feeling confident? Are they not feeling so confident? So mm. yeah, I, I, as a business owner, there are times you do have to fake confidence. I mean, you know, there were times employees would come into the office, they had no idea that my business partner and I hadn't paid ourselves for, you know, a month or two months or three months because we had to make sure there was enough money in the bank to pay them so we can keep running the business. Um, so, but you have to at least put on a, a at least a face for them because you don't want to show oh, yeah. a lack yeah. of confidence to them. So there are times you gotta you gotta be able to bullshit your way through some confidence. But yeah, I think the 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 ideal scenario is you're doing well, you're feeling good, and you're naturally confident. But there are times you kind of do have to BS your way through it. Let me ask you one last confident que confidence related question. <laughs> when you think back to when um, to the early stages of business and um, what it's like having to pitch a startup or you know sell that product for that startup how when you think back how important do you think brand is at helping that confidence or increasing the confidence for that business or product yeah, again, even just going back from what I said earlier, do I think it's a necessity? No, however, would I choose having a great brand behind me? 10 times out of 10, absolutely. Yes, for sure. Because when you're gone and they go on your website or they go on your Instagram or they do, they, they uh, you know, check out your email signature even, 
that there, it's going to give off a certain feeling. And what you want to give off is that feeling of confidence to them, because you want to give them the confidence that they're not making the wrong decision because we're all scared to make decisions. We're all scared to make purchases. And our job as a buyer is to remove friction. Part of removing that friction is having a brand that's going to not only not hurt us, but hopefully is going to help us. So yeah, for all you folks that are in branding, and if you're an entrepreneur that has a branding company, it's, it's, it's such an asset to have it behind you it's not a skill of mine so i've i've kind of had to uh achieve results despite it but man if you have a great behind be, brand behind you how, how how good must that feel as an entrepreneur i know right and it's it, it's amazing thing confidence and you've got to you've got to look for it and kind of work on the bits that do give you confidence etc it i just wanted to spend a couple of minutes just you know talking around that because it's a big thing um, as a business owner is just to have that confidence for, for the business, for yourself, for the people that are involved. So it's something that I found with brand um, can influence, you know, that confidence. The brand itself can also give the staff confidence indirectly, you know, it doesn't have to rest on your shoulders as an owner. The staff can get behind it and be confident. So I thought it was just an interesting point to make. Um, last of all, I would love to hear, Adam, your boldest brand for the episode. I get I get my spotlight guests to pick a brand. Um, I asked you, you said you had one. Who or what have you chosen as your boldest brand for the episode? Yeah, it's funny when you mentioned that to me last time we spoke and I, I thought sometime, I, I was thinking about it for some time and I was, I was struggling to come up with one brand that I really loved and thought was bold. And uh, it was funny this morning, I was thinking more about it because I had some ideas of some companies, but I was like, I don't know if they're really like the boldest brand. And then I thought about a gentleman who some of you might know and some of you might love and some of you might not love so much because he is a little bit of a controversial figure depending on who you, I don't think he's that controversial, but some people think he is. Uh, but his name is Grant Cardone. He's a, a big sales guy. He's a big speaker. He has a sales company, he does a lot of conferences. He's all over social media. and. The reason why I mentioned him when I think of the word bold is if you watch any video of his, if you see any company of his, they all give off the same message. And it's a very authentic and genuine message. Whether you resonate with that genuine, authentic message, or if you don't resonate with it, that's something that uh, you know each individual person can decide for themselves. However, it's very authentic to him. And I think the brands that I appreciate most are the ones that aren't just trying to go with the times, aren't trying to say or do the things that they think the public will want to hear in 2022 or 2019 or 2027. It's saying what's authentic to them, making authentic mistakes, learning from those authentic mistakes and getting better authentically moving forward. And that's something that I believe that Grant Cardone does a great job of. And from his brand that I've been following for probably the last at least six or seven years, he's been the same type of person the same type of way um, each step of the way and, and that's why I appreciate him as a bold brand because uh, what he says and what he does seems to be very much in alignment and he's not worried about saying something that uh, you know some people won't like he's just authentically boldly him in my opinion well I don't know the brand um, and I, I've I've heard the name so I can't really pass comment but I am going to put a link to to Grant's site so people can go check him out if they want to but you pick from a, a brand expert's point of view, the reasons that you were telling me um, are the perfect reasons to pick 
a brand, you know, you're not, you weren't saying because I like his blue logo. I, don't, I mean, I haven't got a clue what color his logo <laughs> is, but you know, for being authentic, you know, for a start and, and um, being who he is and not pretending to be mm. someone or, I mean, I don't know if he stands for a belief or kind of comes at things from a particular um, angle or viewpoint with a vision. They're all brand related things. So you were talking from a brand perspective, which is incredibly important. So I'm, I will go check out Grant's site just just to sort of see. I was like, you know, if I don't know the brand um, that someone brings as a boldest brand, give me a little insight into that person, to that guest, um, as to what you know, what what was the emotional connection there with Adam? And you've you've said it with sales, but I'm kind of intrigued enough to go and have a little look. Yeah, I think um, you'll appreciate it. He's he's authentic and genuine. He's bold himself. So, um, yeah, I, I I just love anybody that's authentic and that's genuine. No matter uh, how whatever whatever that is, whatever that means, whoever you are, just be genuine, be authentic to yourself. And I think that he does that in a good way. That's unapologetically himself. And I think it's Oscar Wilde's quote that's passed around a lot, which is, um, be yourself because everyone mm. else is taken. And I think it's Oscar Wilde, but it is. Um, it, it's it's a great quote. We can end the show with that. Close the curtains. So you can drop the mic. <laughs> I don't think, I don't, at least I, I can't do any better than Oscar Wilde. So unless you can, I think that's a great way to end it. I do. I think, I think we've um, naturally hit this hour point anyway, which I'm pretty proud of. And, I think all that's left really for me to say, Adam, is, you know, I've really enjoyed the conversation that we've had. Um, there's been some awesome topics. So, you know, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been great. No, I appreciate you having me. It's been, uh, it's been great chatting with you over the past few weeks and uh, definitely looking forward to staying in touch with you. And, and hopefully when we're in Europe this summer, we can get together maybe in person and uh, chop it up on another podcast. Maybe me, you and my business partner, we can have some fun with it. Chop it up on a podcast, hopping around the world. I'm there. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Sign me up. And I need you right, anyway. Adam. I need you to help me with my personal brand. So we got to talk offline about that too. <laughs> well, there you go. We'll talk again. But thanks again for coming on, Adam. And um, yeah, we'll speak again soon. Sounds good. Take care. So here we are, the end of another episode. Just like to say thank you very much for listening. Really does mean a lot. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave me a review. Love reading comments and feedback from listeners. If you've been listening and think that you would like to find out if your brand has all of the key ingredients to make it stand out from the crowd, don't forget to hit the links button in the player. Yes, this player that you're listening on, which will take you to my brand report. And that will give you a customized report score of your brand straight to your inbox. If you'd like to find out more about myself, visit my website, www.danielocock.com. Again, links are in the show notes. You can book a call with me if you'd like to discuss your next project. The show is available on all major platforms. So don't forget to hit subscribe if you'd like to be updated about future episodes. And remember, if you're not proud of your brand, then how do you expect anyone else to be?